discuss card games with Jake. <laughs> Hello, honored listener. Welcome once again to, or possibly your first episode of the Soapstone Podcast. Mm-hmm. I am always as Dave and my co-host Jake. Hey. How you doing tonight, Jake? Doing pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I like that you're covering all of the bases for the opening. <laughs> I'm trying to do my best with our role reversal to remember how the intro goes. Yeah, this is gonna be the, this is gonna be the episode. We got to be prepared for the new listeners. This is our breakout one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I say every time. <laughs> just, yeah. One day, Johnny, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. But card games. You mentioned card games. You want oh, you want to talk too. about those? Yeah, I figured we'd start with some of the OG, a bit of that MTG, if you know what I'm oh, saying. yeah. But that Magic the Gathering. That, that's what that stands for. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> what, what level of na- naive, naive should I be for this? <laughs> Do you want me at, like, zero knowledge, infant, uh, or... I want you curious but willing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, magic. I like magic. There you go. <laughs> gathering of magic sounds cool. Yeah, and it is very much a gathering game because it is a collectible card game. Hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure there is still some degree of trading going on at this day and age for myself. If there's cards I need for a certain deck, I'm more likely to just buy them because mm-hmm. I feel pack lottery is kind of a shit show. Right. It's it's fun. Uh, I guess we, we should clarify collectible card games. You collect the cards, not... The game itself is collectible. <laughs> Though I've How tried. many magics do you have? I have three different magics. <laughs> yes. Wow, nice. Yeah. Uh, so when I, I... I kind of was introduced to magic a lot later. Um, my uh, brother-in-law actually uh, had played some cards. Okay. I saw... That's the first time I had seen magic cards. I was like, these look cool. And my parents were like, those are evil. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and they were right. <laughs> they were right, as it turns out. <laughs> They're just saving me money. <laughs> But uh, when do you actually start playing then? Not until like, I guess you may know, but like 2016 or something like that was a brief stint where I tried it. Um, I didn't really play it at all until then. But uh, that was the trick. You're talking about the packs, how you can um, buy singles or you can buy packs. And I, I love the idea of opening packs is, is the trick. Like the sensation of being like, oh man, I'm going to tear this pack open. And it's like, it's optimized, right? Um, looking card by card to see what you get. That's that's the joy of. So you're coming f- from it for the discovery aspect. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, I have to be at this point because I don't know anything about it. It's all discovery. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's uh, uh, very dense though. Magic's been around for a long time. Yeah. Um. I said I wasn't going to do the date thing, but it's been around <laughs> yeah. since. That's why I provided you the segue <laughs> ran into it, and I just box in the segue. Just like, like eh. the owner of the segue, I'm running off the fucking cliff. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it's been around for 20 plus. I want to say it came out in 94 initially. Mm-hmm. And I started playing, I think my first game was with a friend of mine who I grew up with, and it was like 10th edition Magic. So like the rule set was very limited. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, okay. These are mechanics. This is how it's played. Right. You put out your lands to tap for mana. You spend mana to pay for spells or creature cards. Okay. Right. Pretty simple. I didn't touch it again for a while. Then there was a magic tournament in college. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't fucking do anything on Saturdays. <laughs> so I went to it. It was hosted. It was probably like 20 people. 
and I drafted some cards, and I won the thing. That's pack. That's like take a card from a pack, pass it around. Yeah. So you essentially build out your deck out of what you have, mm-hmm. and then keep trying to beat people and beat everybody, pretty much. Right. Yeah. It's good life goal. Yeah. <laughs> beat people. Beat everyone. <laughs> So I got some cards from that, and then I got some packs, and you obviously get to keep what you draft, because okay, yeah. you pay for that as the buy-in. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Yeah. So then I just went deep into the paint with it, and I have been playing on and off ever since. Yeah. I've if seen, we were to go I've to my apartment, <laughs> and I gave you the actual binder now, you'd be like, I could, I could work <laughs> out with this. <laughs> yeah, that's the... Uh, they really have the, the collection edge... There, there's so many different, um, so many different effects and types of cards and magic, um, and different ways you could build a deck. Like, it's almost impossible to just jump in like at an arbitrary place and be like, okay, I'm gonna build a deck. Um, but there's a lot of potential there for the people that, that can do it, right? Yeah, it's surprising how much there's actually there. It's similar to like trying to explain Dota to mm-hmm. to somebody. Yeah, you're like, well. <laughs> You just sit them down, like, I need you to be here for, like, two hours and yeah. just pay attention. How much time do you have? <laughs> Looks at watch. Yeah. Closes blinds. <laughs> because you can explain the simple mechanics of magic to somebody, how you have your untap phase, mm-hmm. your upkeep, your draw phase, main phase one, right? combat, main phase two, and that's the end of your turn. Yeah. And then there's an end phase, technically. And in between, you can do everything at instant speed for instant available cards right and someone goes oh so if i do this this happens you have to say yes unless another card states otherwise yeah exactly because magic is really good at adding lots of different mechanics and variety but on top of that because of the wealth of cards they have over the years Mm -hmm. some of them are going to have some adverse or weird interactions right so it's like, oh, so if I take your life points down to zero, I win the game, right? You're like, well, <laughs> and then you have to explain the Platinum Angel to people. Right. Or if it's on the board, on your side, you can't lose the game. Yeah. I think that, I think that was some of the difficulty uh, for me kind of coming into it is just anytime you're learning a new game, you need to know what your opponent is capable of yeah. in order to have an idea of what moves you should make. Um, and it takes a lot of learning to reach that... Uh, reach that state in a game that has that much diversity you're just like what's your opponent capable of and it's just like they're just like wearing a a, a trench coat just bust open just like like cards and cards and cards and cards <laughs> all the way down you're just like i don't know what any of this is yeah um, and that's how i was at that point when i started too because mm-hmm. when i won the little tournament thing i have to pick from some cards right and i got first pick and I didn't know which ones were good or valuable. So I picked one. I'm like, well, I like black. Mm-hmm. So I picked Massacre Worm, which is a cool black card. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I could probably use this in something. The next person, who I'm pretty sure was Ryan Orovec, if I remember correctly, <laughs> took one of the swords, right. which is a high value, a great utility type card. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know until like three years later, I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of knowledge that's required about context to know what cards are good and magic because something might look really good kind of on the surface or it may look very bad it's yeah. probably a better example this looks absolutely terrible like why would i want to pay life to draw cards or something like that right and then you're like oh no actually that's like the be- like one of the strongest effects in the game 
yeah, go for that. Um, and I don't have specific examples for those, but uh, those interactions is where magic breaks out. Yeah. Like the fact that it has all of the phases that you mentioned, um, it's got this uh, like action response system where every time that you do something, your opponent may have an opportunity to kind of jump in. Uh, unless you know special circumstances i'm sure <laughs> um, unless otherwise stated <laughs> unless otherwise stated um but that back and forth like lends a ridiculous amount of potential for the games to unfold um and that's that's the strength i think of magic It's obviously designed as like a physical card game as it is a physical card game <laughs> right <laughs> um but uh since they started from that it can do a lot of things that are that don't don't easily translate i think into the digital space um although obviously there is magic online which is the digital it, space it, technically yeah yeah but could you provide an example of that yeah so um i think maybe maybe not a specific example with cards but i'm thinking of maybe uh pacing if you're sitting down with a game with fr- sitting down with friends and you're gonna play games like we all play board games like we have uh, our RPGs and Dark Souls and uh, like farming games and things like that. And we're normally willing to you know stick around for like a couple hours or something like that. If you translate to the digital space, um, it's more of an investment for sure to be like, hey, like welcome to the game. Your first match is going to be an hour long. You know, <laughs> uh, it's a little harder to jump into. So other games have taken out all of those phases. Um, and in the extreme, not even in the extreme case, in the average case, uh, you can't do things on your opponent's turn. Um, that just makes it much more predictable and easy to play out. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the electronic games have migrated closer to a a mobile viable setup. That's that's probably a good way to put it, actually, because everything's kind of well animated and very visible. Mm-hmm. It has sound effects. And you know, people are playing Hearthstone on their phone all the time. Yeah. And it's just, it lends itself because you don't have to think as much. And when it's your turn, you do things. Yeah. When it's not your turn, you wait to do things. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard to understate how, like, important Magic is, though, for laying the groundwork for all these other games. Um, because everything else is a variant off of the systems that it has in place. Yeah. Well, so, like, with Magic, there are the five colors of Magic. Mm-hmm. There's black, which deals with your death and decay. Right. And sacrifice type effects. My personal favorite. So you're talking about, like, uh, essentially damaging yourself mm-hmm. for some type of value. Anything that mana. damages me. <laughs> That's what I'm going for. Jake, uh, you need to see somebody. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I draw cards too? I guess that's fine. That's worth it. <laughs> so green is more of your vitality and verdant and your big creatures and mana ramp. Mm-hmm. White is, I don't want to say shit, it's fine, <laughs> but it's usually guys, a right? lot of smaller tokens or enchantments. Pillow fort is what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, it, it uh, one of the strats is can be pillow fort, but it's usually cheaper, lighter stuff, mm-hmm. but it also has a lot of healing built into it as well. Right. Uh, red is usually straightforward, a very aggress- aggressive... Um, Burn spells are typically with red. Direct damage, things like yeah, that. Yeah, you're just trying to get things out there, hit the face, yeah. swing for the face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which you can't do in magic. Yeah. But that's true. I'll let you finish up the colors. Uh, and blue. 
mm-hmm. everybody's favorite color of magic. <laughs> Literally no one. <laughs> and this one fight against it. <laughs> yeah, it's rough because it it lends itself to a lot of draw and counter spells and other unique interactions. Right. So it it's a very controlling color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, the notorious one is uh, I guess most things in magic are spells. Mm-hmm. And so counterspell by extension is pretty good because <laughs> you're just like, oh, you wanted to play a like creature or minions or whatever, summon that in, you know, all of these options. No, I was just going to counter that, counter that. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> blue is the cover, the, the color that's like shuffling through their hand. Like after you do anything being like, okay, you can, that's fine. right? <laughs> like, I play a land. I'll let it slide. Yeah. You I'll, can't do anything about that. I'll, I'll let it slide. I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. No. And then uh, magic has all of those, uh, the combinations of uh, multiple colors. So, I mean, obviously I'm really basic, so I'd start out with maybe two, I think is probably yeah. the most common monocolor. I don't know how meta that is. but Monocolor is usually not as common this day and age, mm-hmm. but it can still be viable. It just... Certain colors usually won't branch out into other things. Right. So if you want a more rounded deck, it makes sense to kind of splice in other colors. Cover your weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, let's say, blue, very controlly, you're not really going to have a lot of aggression and damage. Right. So maybe you want to pair that with red. Right. The or antagonist. black or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of potential there. And you mentioned these... these um, uh, pairings in each one oftentimes the cards are going to require mana from uh, both colors so in magic like you mentioned you have to play out lands um, and then you can uh, tap your lands. sometimes they come into uh, play already tapped I think basic lands don't Correct. come tapped but um, uh, you kind of just build up this repertoire of cards over time that you're going to like use to generate all of your mana of different colors um, and a lot of games after Magic have found uh, there's, there's this concept known as Mana Screw, which is theoretically, theoretically, it's possible that if you had a hundred card deck and ninety nine of them were you know um, mana and one wasn't, no, it's a bad example. Nine of ninety nine of them. That's a terrible example. I'm going to cancel that example entirely. You may never draw mana uh, when you need it, right? Yeah. Um, According to probability, that's not how it plays out, and your opponent has the same limitation. So, uh, yeah, there's a chance that you're grand finalist at a tournament and you like literally draw no mana, but people have... It's been in the game so long that people know how to deal with it, I think. Yeah. First off, shout out to my main boy, RNGesus. Jesus. <laughs> but Magic is one of the few games where it's built around how you've built your deck. Yeah. Because you get to choose the ratio of how much mana or ramping or scaling cards you want to put in Mm -hmm. so if you have like a smaller deck and you'll have a lot of ramp to get land and mana production out there you don't want to have these like 12 cost cards because right what are the odds that'll work out perfectly (laughs) you have 12 mana in your deck and 12 cost cards or 12 lands whereas most things nowadays will have like a you'll get stuff over time Mm -hmm. gradual ramp Mm mm-hmm you have one mana, then next turn you have two mana, then three mana, then four. Which is uh, the way uh, Hearthstone works, which is going to be kind of the the CCG uh, standard for some of the games we're going to uh, talk about. Um, it's the most basic, I think, implementation you can have for that. Like, they uh, 
have other ways to ramp kind of like magic does, but not nearly as many. Um, and they don't have other ways to manipulate their mana to the same extent that magic does. Yeah, they have some light things with the mana crystals that you have. Mm-hmm. I think, is it Druid? Druid, yeah. Is who will allow you to get like an extra mana crystal. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of beat that ramp a little bit sooner than your opponent. Right. Be able to draw bigger cards faster. Yeah. It's like, that being said, um, not all of the formats of Magic like might subject themselves to mana screw. Like you said, you can put as much mana or as much as many lands in your deck as you want mm-hmm. um, in a lot of formats. But uh, you can do whatever you want with those cards, right? Like you could make your own game with magic and then with magic cards, and I mean not sell it, but <laughs> you know play with friends something like make that. Make your own format That's exactly. Just, yeah, and uh, like I, I remember one time I was just looking on the wiki at all these other uh, formats because I was in a particular deck building mood. I really like deck builder games and um, co-op games in particular. It's like maybe this is my end. Maybe my end for magic is to try to find a co-op game. So that all of these players that are really good can help me <laughs> instead of smashing my face in with blue. <laughs> and uh, I was looking at a, uh, it was like a zombie survival type game where you would build a um, an opponent deck which operated under certain rules where it would pull off like however many cards off the top uh, every turn and then put them into play immediately. And you had to like fight back the zombie horde nice. with everybody's decks. And... I love something like that. The fact that you can just come up with that format is awesome, and you're not going to find that in a digital game. Yeah. What's interesting, because I have to mention Commander at some point, because mm-hmm. that's pretty much the only format I play now, because I can put like the cards I built over time, I don't have to keep swapping them out, I just have a deck that I really like, and I doubt anybody else does. <laughs> yeah. But, Statistically unlikely. Yeah. Unless you just grabbed it online. <laughs> but before Commander was Commander, it was called EDH. Right. And it wasn't actually a thing that was licensed by Wizards that they accepted as a format. It was something that people just made. And then oh, okay. it got kind of passed around and talked about enough. And it was like, everybody's playing this thing. <laughs> we should take this thing and make money off of it. Yeah. So they started making cards that fit the format. Mm-hmm. They started making things like, hey, this is a valid Commander deck. These creatures can be technical commanders now they have planeswalker commanders and they've really gone ham with it mm-hmm. which i like because i really enjoy that format as it stands yeah i guess the any card text that mentions like how uh how it affects multiple opponents probably doesn't matter that much if the card is never intended to be used in 1v1 um yeah and it's it's really cool it's so official i mean they have their own ban list of cards <laughs> you can't play an edh so yeah <laughs> I'm sorry, Woodfall Primus. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, Magic is a, a very adaptive game, but um, there's certain things that it can't do um, that obviously digital card games could do. Um, shuffle for me. <laughs> yeah, shuffle for me. So that was a big that was a big thing. I could probably deal with it now, but when I wanted to play uh, Magic uh, back in the day, I definitely uh, struggled shuffling as much as the game required. Um, so that's why I played other games like Hearthstone, which I mentioned uh, would be our, our standard for the uh, online CCGs. That's not because it's the best, per se. It's just been around. It has a foothold. Yes. Yeah. It's the most popular um, in the digital space. So, and they make a lot of money. <laughs> um, but contrary to Magic, Hearthstone has a lot of limitations right out the gate. We already mentioned the mana system differences. 
Um, rather than picking what combinations of colors you want to put in your deck, you have nine classes, um, and each of them have some of their own mechanics, but and some of their own cards, but they can also all draw from a neutral pool. Um, so just cards you can put in, in any deck. Um, and you mentioned the the Druid Ramp mm -hmm. uh, like ability. That's an example of um, they have a lot of cards that uh, can actually cause ramping, and they'll get some kind of periodically throughout expansions. Um, like Magic, they have like a standard. Right. So those cards go away eventually in standard format, but um, they stick around in uh, in Wild, which is their uh, unlimited format or their eternal format. Um, what's it called in Magic, actually? The Legacy, is I it? I think Legacy is one of them. Mm-hmm. But Legacy might also have its own ban list. Yeah. I'm sure there is one where it's just, hey, do whatever the fuck you want, but know that most people will be running with turn two or turn three win decks. Yeah, yeah. There's not many of that, many of those in uh, Hearthstone, um, but uh, they will limit certain mechanics to specific classes. So Druid has the ability to ramp. They'll have things like... Um, and a lot of their ramp potential is actually in the classic set which are the cards that uh, came out like early in Hearthstone's lifespan. And they haven't been phased out. And the, they stick at their uh, evergreen, so they're around forever. Um, there have been instances where Blizzard realized that having cards in an eternal pool that will always be in the design space for standard uh, actually causes a lot of problems. Um, if like one deck just sticks around forever. Freeze Mage is a good example. Um but yeah, that's where a lot of Druid's ramp, ramp comes from, is that his classic set. Uh, other classes have their own features, but that's probably the most iconically, uh, iconic to pick out. Um, and they'll play differently um, be because of that. So their decks oftentimes end up being very different. They'll still exist like top-level archetypes, like Control or Aggro or something like that. But um, they usually have their own spaces they live in, each kind of class does. Back to some of those uh, advantages of this being an e-card game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, other advantages, you can manipulate your opponent's deck. You can manipula manipulate your own deck. It's impossible in a physical game to literally duplicate like one of your most expensive cards. You're like, oh, this Mythic, yeah, we'll duplicate that 15 times and then shuffle it into my deck, <laughs> right? I mean, you could emulate that behavior, but it would be expensive and very conditional. <laughs> yeah, there were actually... To tangent back to magic briefly, mm -hmm. early strategies where you would just run a lot of shuffle cards. Yeah. For like in your sideboard to make them shuffle their own deck. Your opponent, yeah. Because this is before card sleeves were a big thing, but people would still have valuable cards in there <laughs> and they wouldn't want to keep shuffling their deck because it's going to damage it slightly. Yes. This is this is the origin of toxic behavior. <laughs> Welcome to magic. Yeah. Um, so it's much easier to manage that your opponent messing with your deck and um in Hearthstone. And there are cards like that. Like uh, Rogue has some cards where they'll shuffle uh, ambushers into your deck. So as you're drawing from your deck, you'll hit one of the cards they shuffled in. And it just puts something into play on their side or something like that. You're just like, ah, that's not what I wanted to draw, <laughs> right? But that's pretty strong, too, if you're only drawing a card a turn. It does usually have a prefix or a suffix, like draw another card. Oh, okay. But sometimes that doesn't help you if they've triggered this effect multiple times and They're shuffled a lot of things out. into your deck because you're just like okay 
I drew a 4-4 four, four for them that's immediately in play. That's bad. Thankfully, I get another card. It's a 4-4 four, four for them immediately in play. Thankfully, you know, and etc., etc. Until, you know, they've filled their side of the board and they win as soon as you pass the turn. Um, uh, Hearthstone is a lot more, a lot easier to, I think, track, but uh, not as much as it has been in the past. Uh, in recent expansions, they've added a lot more... Um, a lot of cards that uh, kind of don't have to interact with their opponent to have crazy effects. The most extreme of these is a Mecha Cthulhu card that was added that makes it so if you have no cards left in your hand, it's in play, um, you have no cards left in your deck, and it dies, you win the game outright. Usually you have to kill your opponent. This is a condition that doesn't require that you kill your opponent, which that's a magic thing, not a Hearthstone thing. Um, what are they doing? Um, some people can enable that a lot easier than others. Uh, but the the formats uh, they've tried to expand over the years. They like I mentioned, like I mentioned, they have the standard format, they have the wild format. They have an arena where you pay the in-game currency, which is gold, you get for like completing quests and things like that, uh, to get a ticket to enter. Uh, you can play out up to twelve matches, and if you get all twelve, then you get the highest reward. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're rewarded with how far, how many wins you get. And it's over when you lose three times. So some players only do that. Um, you draft, uh, kind of similar to uh, a drafting system like Magic, where it's just like, here's several choices, pick a card. Several choices, pick a card. Several choices, pick a card. You're not passing the pack to anybody else, um, but you can try to make something work. You don't get to keep the cards, though. Those are just there for that run. Um, it's kind of cool though it allows new players to be like oh here are other things that do exist yes yeah also it's interesting that again comparing back to magic hearthstone has a way for you to accrue cards over time right just from playing the game mm -hmm. in client whereas magic not so much yeah it's a uh, i basically looking at the averages you probably for every you get one quest a day and your average quest will probably give you about half a pack so every two days just doing quests, you could probably get a pack, mm -hmm. um, but uh, not more than two pack. <laughs> I, was, I, was I, was I was immediately leaning like the pack a day thing, and uh -huh. then like two pack. And yeah. I was like, Shakur's thing, buddy. Yeah. And like other things in life, a pack a day may not be healthy <laughs> in the, uh, the CCG market. Um, it's, a, it's a very slow compared to some of the other games we're going to talk about. It's a relatively slow way of developing your deck. Um, and Hearthstone, Hearthstone has a problem where it's really hard for new players to get into it. Yeah. Like, you can't buy a pre-con deck, like in Magic, where it's just like, here's, you know, 100 cards, and you could literally just play them in EDH. That doesn't, that doesn't exist. So if you get a quest and it's like, hey, win five games as a warrior, and you're like, all right, well, I have no good warrior cards. You're, like, filling it with neutrals. You're like, uh, does this count? <laughs> yeah. Um you can find yourself like in this the this short end of the stick, uh, in that position as a new player, and that might force you to buy packs. But for me, that would force me to stop playing. So, it is what it is. So you've stopped playing. Right now, I have. Uh, I have dropped a lot of money in Hearthstone over the years, though. My next question is going to be, how many packs have you bought, though? Yes. Um, I don't want to answer that. That's how how bad it is. <laughs> but I would definitely say that I probably. I don't think there's a game I've spent more money on than Hearthstone in any space. Interesting. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that considering Dota 2 and uh, Battle Passes, etc. That might be a close second. <laughs> it might it might pass a little bit, uh, but I don't think I've ever spent that much uh, at one time kind of compared to Hearthstone. Here's the problem with Hearthstone is a new expansion comes out. You want to buy a bunch of cards. Um, unlike Magic, where a new expansion comes out and you want to buy specific cards that you know are going to be good, you have to buy the packs for Hearthstone. You can also craft specific cards, but you're, that requires you to destroy other cards that you have. Yeah. And your payout for that is usually like 25% of the value. So worst case scenario, you get very you can get very little value out of some of these packs. So it's hard to make a good competitive deck. Yes. It's based on luck. The whole thing is based on RNG, obviously. But um, card acquisition being based entirely on RNG uh, can be very demoralizing when you drop 120 bucks on an expansion and you find yourself missing half the cards you wanted for a deck that you wanted to make. That's sad. Yeah. And that's, like, it doesn't feel like a free-to-play game at that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I will say Magic does suffer from that a little bit, but, like I said, you do have the option to get individual cards. Yeah. Also, it depends who you play with, but in the earlier days, it wasn't uncommon for people to use proxies, mm-hmm. saying, hey... I didn't want to spend $35 on a single card, <laughs> but I printed out a picture of it and I put it into a sleeve and let's play with it as this. Right. So it allows you to play with some other things without shelling out hard. Right. Because you can customize the game. If you want to allow proxies, you can homebrew that rule at mm-hmm. a moment's notice. You can't do that in a, a digital card game, right? Um, uh, the, other, the other trick is uh, Magic allows four copies, I believe, of a card in your deck on average, outside of EDH. Uh, I think for standard. Yeah, you can have up to four of any one mm-hmm. non-basic land. Um, and then their deck size is it's somewhere, I'm, I'm not sure exactly, around 40, probably more than that. But Standard 60, 60. Mm-hmm. EDH or commander is minimum, sorry, let me say, minimum of 100. Mm-hmm. I think standard, you don't have to have exactly 60. Yeah, you can go beyond it if you're if You can you always go to. beyond it. I think you can go less too. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a minimum. But obviously, the more you stuff into it, the less likely you are to draw any one given card, and vice versa. Yeah. And that's an issue Hearthstone has. It has a deck size of 30, but you can only have two copies of any given card in your deck, Mm -hmm. and uh, one copy of uh, Legendary, like the highest impact cards on average, like the deck-defining cards. Um, So Hearthstone is known for a lot of RNG. Like, again... Both players kind of have it, but they're like, all right, we don't have mana screw because you each get mana each turn. It just ramps up over time. But maybe you never get that one legendary that enables the win condition you built for in your deck. Or maybe it's the very last card you draw. Yeah. And because there's only one copy, there's no redemption midway through if it's at the bottom of your deck, right? Yeah. Um, so. To tout magic again, one thing that's cool is you have interactions from so many different cards. So let's say you're having trouble drawing your win condition. Yeah. You can play a card to tutor for it and search through your deck to find it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it got destroyed and it's in the graveyard. There's cards to get out of the graveyard. Maybe somebody exiled your card. There are technically cards to get things out of exile. (laughs) They're pretty few and far between. Yeah. But there's where there's a will, there's a way, and you can do pretty much anything. It would be just like magic to have a counter 
to a card that says remove this card from the game <laughs> right like <laughs> i take this card back from the game god yep. damn it yes. got me again <laughs> yeah um to be fair like they they've added recently more mechanics that are magic like um so they have tutoring in the form of the keyword recruit okay which is just pull something from your deck and put it into play um so if you only have one thing in your deck that meets that condition you know what you're gonna pull from your deck um but not nearly to the extent that magic does. Magic manipulates everything. Um, they also, for a long time, lacked. Um, they had single player content in the form, or Hearthstone had single player content in the form of adventures, which actually injected a lot of value to people who didn't want to go out and buy a thousand packs to like get things randomly. If you purchase an adventure, it's like twenty bucks or something. You'd have a bunch of PVE content, fight a bunch of coolly designed bosses with great voices. And get a bunch of cards. And you knew exactly which cards you would get as you beat the bosses. So it's technically like buying an expansion pack. You just have to play through the content. Exactly. And at the end of it, you'd have unlocked all the cards in the expansion. A lot of them would be legendaries or like really good. Um, and so you kind of had this core that you knew you could have access to. Um, without like randomly trying to obtain them. They since discontinued that entirely with the introduction of the standard cycle. So adventures don't exist. Um, so even more into this, like you have to buy packs and get stuff that way. That's really obnoxious. They replaced it with single player content, uh, which is really good, like super fun. Things like dungeon runs and like exploration things, custom classes or like classes that don't exist in the main game that can do really cool things like rewind your turn and do it again with the exact same RNG you got the first time. Uh, all of these cool ideas with no tangible in-game rewards or like a card back you might get but no collection boosting things it's just something you do for the fun of it exactly and like props on them it doesn't make them any money unless it makes people play the game more but at the same time we're playing collectible card games we want to collect cards so that's why hearthstone ranks the lowest on my personal uh personal review for uh, how collectible the cards actually are. Jake, you sure seem disenchanted with Hearthstone. Yeah, that is, that is a mechanic. That's the other way you get cards, but that's alright. Oh, I was actually making a magic reference to disenchant where you destroy an enchantment. Oh, okay. But I like that it's uh, double meaning. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that definitely, definitely double dips. Um, but that's enough about Hearthstone. I can rant about that because I've spent years of my life wasted trying to trying to grind the ladder. <laughs> this Dave checks Dave his stops watch. his stopwatch. Yeah. Whew, we made it. <laughs> not not worried about content filling on this one. Uh, but yeah, it does have a lot of overlapping mechanics. Because like we said, Magic kind of started a lot of them. And other ones are like, let's not reinvent entirely new mechanics. Mm -hmm. Let's essentially do a version of it or the same type of thing. Yeah. Like, taunt's pretty common across the board. Uh, double strike, having haste, not being able to be targeted, etc. Right. You'll and, see those in a lot of these games. Yeah. Um, and it's worth noting, before I completely move off, uh, Hearthstone has really high detailed art that they commission and amazing voice acting for their cards. Um, some are hits, some are misses, but... A lot of the reason people play Hearthstone is because it feels really good to play Hearthstone. 
the tact like the feedback of playing the game you're gonna say tactile i was gonna say tactile i was like that's the opposite of anything that means anything here i know what you mean though it it has a good feel to it yeah whereas magic is a paper game obviously doesn't have voice acting Mm -hmm. unless you're really good at doing it while you're (laughs) playing (laughs) but it does have really detailed art um because they've had I don't even know how many artists over the years. Mm, and they've kept a lot over <laughs> More different time. generations of the game. And like some people get picked up, some people fall off. But it's always interesting to see like a unique spin per couple of sets, because usually they'll be themed to a degree. Right. Because there's always a story throughout Magic mm-hmm. of which plane you're on. It's got but, lore. <laughs> yeah. A lot of these games are gonna have lore. We don't we don't kinda care care about the lore. Magic's got a lot of it though. And Unmake is a really cool looking card. Full art on me. You still have it, or did you give it back? I give it back to you. Okay, yeah. good. Because you, like, you asked for it. I'm like, you asked. For Jay, it. if you're playing these cards, I'm, I'm gonna take this back. <laughs> I'd say actually, a lot of these games actually have really good art, mm-hmm. and I think when you're in a digital space, keep using that term. Yeah, you need something true. to draw people in. Yeah, because if it's just a card with text, nobody gives a shit. Yeah, you need a certain draw factor where. You kind of feel like Yugi Moto playing that card. You're like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm putting this down for this effect. You're like, and oh, shit. You have to make sure you have more cards in the future when you know your next turn comes around. So the draw factor is very important. It's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's Hearthstone. That's Magic. We're going to compare uh, some other games to them relatively quickly. Uh, hopefully by comparison. <laughs> we'll see, though. Um, What's next on the list, Jake? Next on the list is the Elder Scrolls Legends, which I convinced uh, one of our coworkers to play, and then promptly abandoned the game because it's basically my modus operandi: is start playing a game, get people to play, it, and then quit. Um, but uh, this one, it's it's different from the standard formula in these ways. It has two lanes on is the normal play uh, as you play out minions to one lane. Um, it, they'll just be normally in play, have no special effects. The other lane will stealth them immediately, so they can't be attacked Okay. conventionally. So you kind of have to manage the fact that your opponent could attack you from either of these lanes, and you yourself can use them to your advantages. So if you have one card that can enter the battlefield and it needs, you want to like buff it up, or maybe it has an enter the battlefield effect, um, but you need it to stay around, you can try to protect it by being like, and to the stealth lane. Um, so but you constantly have to manage bo- both lanes exactly and uh, it's worth noting that normally um, minions that are in one lane won't be able to attack minions in the other lane like they, they can't usually interact with each other with the exception of some special cards that like uh, basically have your guys dance from one to the other there's like a little ball- there's an actual like ballroom card thing where it shuffles everybody across oh, the okay. lanes which is really cool but um Color-wise, it's more similar to to Magic, um, with a little bit a little bit of Hearthstone kind of class-based features, um, and it uses it uses colors like a lot of these games will use colors that are I want I don't want to say derivative of Magic, but they're clearly inspired. The association by it. is pretty common across the board. Yeah, so, so I think green for anything. Yeah, whether it's Hunter and Hearthstone, green and Magic. Mm-hmm. Green Inferia or yep. Elder Scrolls Legends. Game, <laughs> it's it's life and plant shit. Yeah, and uh, in this in this game, green is also the color of thievery. 
it's uh represents the attribute agility if you ever played the elder scrolls games um agility i feel like i've heard that in other games as well yeah so it, those their cards have things like pilfer every time that you uh, attack the enemy face um you may have an effect your card gets stronger you draw a card you do something like that or it'll have lethal which is the same thing as death touch death touch um or poisonous in hearthstone uh, hit an enemy deal damage they die um and that's kind of that's a solid base for a more defensive deck if you want to throw in like another color like purple purple is endurance that's where mana ramp is and the elder scrolls legends uh they also have interestingly enough pretty much all of the vampires are kind of thrown into that um so things that have drain or the ability to steal health from the opponent and give it to you are all included in that um they have the classic everybody has a blue pretty much every game here is going to have blue basically be intelligence and screwing people over with special effects and nonsense we, we prefer to call it control yes and control. not screwing people over <laughs> yes but it's the same thing um so they they have that um they also have red which is direct damage again those are the two i think across most of these games if you have red it's going to normally be direct damage and blue is going to be control as you, as you put it <laughs> Yeah, it's just like a, a stoplight. Green means go and build your lands and creatures. And red means stop, stop. hitting me in the face with <laughs> that spell, please. Yes. I have I have things in the board. They're here to block your attacks. Could you use them? <laughs> right? Stop just hitting me in I the face. I ping you for three. <laughs> I'm going to bolt and to bolt and to bolt and to bolt. <laughs> Wait. Um, but uh, it, it has some interesting things they've, they've thrown in. Those are all kind of standard features besides the lanes. Uh, one cool thing they have is a rune system where everybody starts at 25 health, and every 5 health that you lose, uh, it breaks a rune, which causes your opponent to draw a card. So if you are getting your face smashed in by an aggro deck, every 5 damage he does to you allows you to draw a card. And it's it a bit of a comeback mechanic. Exactly. So if you're just getting like smashed in the face and you have like absolutely no recourse, you always have the possibility of drawing something that gives you recourse. They even have a special effect built around it called Prophecy, which is if you drew this card because someone smashed you in the face and broke your rune, it'll immediately have an effect. And that can actually have a more magic type effect where you can play it immediately, like interrupt their turn, um, which is pretty rare in these types of games. So, question for you, Jay, because obviously I have not played this game. Yeah. If you if you've heard the crickets on my side, mm-hmm. how do you They're get? On my side too. <laughs> how do you get uh, cards in the game if you're starting out? So, if you're starting out, um, you're provided with a few basic cards, but this is one of those games where it has a campaign you can play, and uh, the campaign will give you rewards as you complete it. It'll give you more cards. It has a mechanic where you can, if you have a basic version of a card. Um, you may, as a reward, be able to upgrade it. And then it'll give you a path where it's just like, here's a really crappy card that basically no one would want to put in their deck unless you just don't have enough cards to play. And you could turn it into one of two like good cards okay. that branch out in different ways. So that's really cool. You take like little scrub, like nooblet soldier, and you're like, and he's a general or he's an assassin, you know, something like that. Um, and that's a that's a cool mechanic. Uh, you can buy more single player content that additionally unlocks cards. So kind of like the Hearthstone adventures, but they'll have a more of a narrative twist to them. You'll be following a story as you go from 
encounter to encounter. Um, and sometimes they have choices, which threw me off the first time I played the game. Because it's like, hey, you've gotten you know this magical orb, or you have an opportunity to obtain this magical orb, but if you snatch the orb, then your ally will die. Like, he'll be killed by the big bad or whatever, right? And Does that like, translate to losing a card, then? It's a choice between cards. So you pick the orb, it'll give you an artifact card that uh, you can then put into play later um, and put into all your decks. But maybe if you save your ally, or exactly if you save your ally, you'll get, like, a legendary minion you could put into play. So if you're really RP-focused and you just don't want to be spoiled on anything, then, I mean, you're listening to the wrong podcast, but also... Um, you wouldn't want to look up the results. I literally looked up the results online every time because I need to know what cards I'm getting. <laughs> Got to min-max. Got to know. Yeah. But it's a cool idea. And it's an idea that uh, a lot of the other games in this list uh, try to catch up on. Um, Single-player content. Uh, I actually prefer it. Um, in a game, uh, like we'll mention Faria later, obviously come back to that, you mentioned it. Um, you can just play that game single-player. Like You don't have to play against other players if you want. The Elder Scrolls Legends is the same up to a point. And it, you really need that for electronic card games because it sucks to be like, hey, are you online? Do you want to do the thing? Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons they also want us to do that versus paper card game because it's expensive to manufacture these cards and do all these things and all this upkeep mm-hmm. where you can just have it like, hey, just hop on the game. Yeah, exactly. So it's cool to just uh, turn on your computer... I mean, if you ever turn it off, fucking noobs. <laughs> yeah. My power bill is so high. I would never accuse our listeners of actually turning <laughs> off their computers. But you just kind of like hop on and do a thing. Mm-hmm. So like I've been doing a lot of single player in Feria. Yeah. And we did a couple of matches. I'm like, fuck you, Jake. I want to get actual cards and like yes. come back again. Yeah. Which we'll probably do at some point later. Yeah. Maybe like next week. But without that, it's... Things can't stand on versus alone. Yeah. It's like certain formats could, certain games can, but if you allow players to just enjoy the game at their own pace, yeah. usually without turn counters either. It's literally just spend as much time as you want. Do anything else you want. You can walk away from your computer for five hours and come back. Like, that's great. Yeah. I, I appreciate that convenience. It's really nice if you're like um, watching something kind of second monitor and you want to also play a game. But then you realize you have to pee like nobody's business. Yeah, exactly. You can step away. Yeah, there's no rope burning in like in Hearthstone against somebody. Or there's nobody who's angry at you for not coming back to the table yet. Yeah, you just walk in. You just leave your deck there. <laughs> grab your shoes, leave. Yeah. And last note for uh, Elder Scrolls Legends, you can purchase pre-cons in that, like you could for Magic. Um, that Hearthstone lacks. Yeah. Very useful. I'm not going to try and sell just buying cards but if you are getting into something it's a really fucking nice convenience yes because i know at least magic has dual decks where you're like hey people are trying to learn the game mm-hmm. here's two different colors they play differently you can play with a friend and they also will give a lot of these things away at uh tournaments or other magic related events right so you'd be like hey here's how you learn to do the thing <laughs> right well in its own way here's, yeah. here's your taste <laughs> Your playable First one's taste. free. Yeah. But it's just... It's nice because both Magic and Hearthstone, and I'm sure soon other games, mm-hmm. get this huge fucking library of 
cards in, oh, yeah. in world and you're like how do i remember what everything does and you're like you can't it's gonna take it time start, yeah so like for me i know a lot of magic cards off the top of my head and what the effects do but they keep adding things right and there's lots of things that already existed that i'm still not aware of it's it's it gives you a platform you can jump off to experience the rest of the content yeah the problem is when a game does not give you a platform at all like a la uh hearthstone where it's just like you are at ground level everybody else is somewhere up in bioshock infinite land good luck yeah <laughs> right it's you, a gap you need something so pre-cons put pre-cons in your games people uh, but that that is probably what I've got for uh, Elder Scrolls Legends. I'd recommend it for anybody who really likes the Elder Scrolls. Um, it has a bunch of jokes, a bunch of characters. Uh, you will see familiar faces all of the time. Um, and it, it's got a very clean aesthetic. Like, cut and dry. Which I enjoy. But, there's another one, and we've been talking about it already. Faria. Yeah, it's about fairies. Yeah, it's not as uh, <laughs> cheeky as it sounds, but Jake got this for me the other night so I could actually play it. Yeah. And I've actually really been enjoying it. It seems to play kind of similar to Hearthstone in a way, mm. but you have static mana. You accrue mana over time. Right. So like the mana you don't spend, you get to keep, which I really like. It is cool. You start off with three cards. You can mulligan some. Mm-hmm. But the big thing is, is it actually has a different board state than just, here's my shit in front of me and your shit in front of you. Super hexagons. Yes. The <laughs> fact that the hexagons just, like I said, it pleases me in a way that I, I can't say it's not sexual anymore. Right. I it's, just really like that shape. It's the superior gun, really. It is. <laughs> Sexagon. <laughs> but you can actually have one action per turn. Uh, your actions are I can draw another card mm-hmm. I can get an extra mana point to use I can place two basic lands which are called planes Yep. and you actually place them as tiles and basically wherever you place your lands is where you can build your units Right. because there's water there before right? Like, yeah. it's just unpassable. an open expanse between you and your opponent Yeah. Um, and they're also scattered across the map are like four mana points mm-hmm. so if you have a unit near these mana points after you've kind of built this land bridge over, you will accrue additional mana per turn. Yep. Yeah. It's a really interesting mechanic that plays into the eternal counterbalance between aggro and control, where maybe you want to build out and grab that mana early. Yeah, so I feel like we just have to talk about our our first match the other night. Yes, yeah. I had been playing through the story, and I'm like, okay, let's be the economy bitch. I build two planes over. The other option is to build a single special land. Right, yeah. Because each each, um, color has like a specific type. Yeah. So all cards have a mana cost you need to pay for, but certain ones will also have the prerequisite of you need at least two forests in play. It like unlocks your ability to play it. So I went over and I built to get a mana point. Jake starts building down the middle. Yeah. I'm making like, a path right for my dick. I was like, I see the face. I'm yeah, going for, the, for face. the face. And so I built them to the other mana crystal uh-huh. so I can get more mana. Yeah. And then Jake, because it's not a huge map, he built right up to my face. So now he has the option to play units right next to me. Yes. And then just start attacking me in the face. It was a strategic advantage for me. <laughs> and it's important to note, you can only play your units where you have built. 
So since he had build right up to my face, I could no longer build units right in front of my guy. Yeah. I had to build them to the adjacent lands to like that I had side, placed. The side of your god yeah. character, yeah. And you can only build your lands off of connecting lands, mm-hmm. or if you have a unit, any adjacent cell to that. Yes. Yeah, so there's some limits on like how quickly, how greedy you can be. Um, on the opposite side, like I ended up winning that match because I kind of just flooded the area around your face and just overwhelmed. But um, waterboarded me basically. Basically, yeah. But we were we were playing like similar um, similar green decks, so I didn't even have like necessarily more aggressive cards than you. That was just the strategy and the board mm-hmm. at the time, which is basically the reason to play Feria, is the fact that there's those two levels. There's what's in your deck, and there's how you play what's in your deck. And a lot of other CCGs don't have that kind of distinction. This gives you that um, tactical hex-based hex strategy game uh, where you can outplay someone who may have you know, uh, cards that might be better than yours on average if you're just a better player. Yeah, and the other advantage is a lot of... I'd say most card games, you want to establish board presence. Mm-hmm. You need to get stuff out there. Yeah. Um, there's obviously things that can kind of board wipe, but they're few and far between. Yeah. So the more board presence you have, usually you're at an advantage. But there's sometimes the advantage to sit on your cards. Yeah. Because you accrue the mana over time. You're not losing anything there. So if you have, like, um, let's say two three-cost cards in your hand. Yeah. Turn one, you have three mana, you hold off. Mm-hmm. Turn two, you have six mana, you can double drop. Right. You can flood at one point, just empty your hand. Yeah. Um, like, on top of building out the uh, two planes or one specific land type, your other options for your action that turn is to uh, draw a card. It's one thing, which can be used to make up some of that card advantage. Um, and so if you, if you dump everything in play, then you'll probably be short on mana and drawing cards might not necessarily you know be the solution right if in my case i went really aggressive i'm just like all right just run out there drop all of my biggest guys and just hope that i kill dave before he stabilizes because his economy is so much better than mine so while jake was getting three mana turn i was getting five yes so i just knew it was a matter of time until you start dropping those those seven sevens and like other guys with huge taunt and i'm just like i'm just gonna run out of mana yeah i can't i can't resupply my army um, and yeah, there's other decks that are more aggressive than the way I played there, and there's plenty that are way more control based. Where you're just like, all right, just the minimum amount of low power guys I can get out there on the mana wells and kind of deal with oncoming attacks. And then here's my end game win condition: drop like a 15 cost guy, um, like the guy I played that turned everything into forests. Uh, Terum. Yeah. Yeah. The legend, oh, the legendary tier cards in this game are also really cool. They all have like, they have game winning effects in a lot of cases, or just other cool effects. Yes. And again, because it's an electronic game, mm-hmm. uh, one of the green legendaries, once you play it, will benefit other cards in your hand. Yeah. So any creatures in your hand or deck will get a plus one plus one, flat out. Yeah. So maybe you have like a shitty chump locker. He's now. An average chump blocker. <laughs> right, yeah. Because there isn't a way to heal damage dealt to monsters, as far as I know. 
not that I've seen, you could just increase their health pool, like, with buffs. Yeah, you could give them more plus one plus ones. Yeah. That's technically a healing in a sense. Yeah. But it's it's increasing at the top instead of the bottom, so, yeah. yeah. Um, also, um, the way movement works for units you have placed, typically units can move uh, one hex at a time, and then from that place they've moved to, they can attack anything adjacent. Exactly. And attacking stops your movement options after you've done it. You can't attack and then mm-hmm. move. It's always move, then attack. Or just attack in place. Exactly, yeah. Um, so a, a lot of it just comes down to that, that grid-based uh, play and how you can work around it. There's always exceptions. There's things that can fly over terrain, fish types that can swim, um, all of these other uh, options at play you can build towards. But um, the interaction... Uh, in the the early game and like the choices you have before your deck even comes into play is really cool like that's something other games don't really play around with yeah i'm really liking i haven't even tried the uh sand which i guess is the yellow color deck like deserts and stuff it has the ability to shift lands around Mm -hmm. so you can target somebody's land or one of your own and just move that hex cell to an open space yeah there can't be a unit on it, but you can. Or you, there can. It can be a friendly one. Yeah. But if there's an enemy unit, you can't move their land and their guide to strand them off in the ocean uh, for nothing else. I know this because um, there's a puzzle that makes use of this. And puzzles in this game are usually, or they're always, uh, you have a way to end the game right now with this board state. Do it. Yeah. Like one turn lethal puzzle. And I think it's a brilliant way to teach the game. Um, yeah, because you, a lot of them are almost stupidly easy. It's yes, like they, they I start. attack the guy, you kill the guy. Congratulations, you did it. <laughs> but you solved the puzzle. It starts off with basic like, okay, this deals damage. Okay, I have to get through taunt before I can get to the guy. Yeah. Okay, I have to move here, or you have to plan out interactions in a certain way. Exactly. I've gotten through like twenty-two of them now. Oh jeez. Or maybe thirty, but I was doing one before I came over, and I tried it like three times. I'm like, I'm just, I'm not seeing it. Yeah. So I'm gonna go back to it. I'm sure. But it is cool that they're teaching you in that way, because with other games, it's kind of like, hey, like you can play the game, or you can Google, or you need to just talk to a friend, really. Yeah. This this forces you to be good in a moment, at least. And it forces you to learn that lesson. Yeah. Whereas, whereas like, you, if you're playing a standard match, just against a person or an enemy or something, and it's not designed with this board state, you might just be like, ah, oh, it sucks, I guess I lost, you know, right? You know I can't going, win this concede. <laughs> yeah, you know going into it that there's a way out. Um, and I think that's absolutely brilliant. Um, you completed a lot of puzzles, so I expect you probably got a lot of rewards and chests and things like that which is the equivalent of decks yeah they're like card packs yeah not in decks <laughs> every chest you just oh i got a new you deck. killed the guy here's one new deck <laughs> oh gee thank you mister that is, that's very generous <laughs> no but uh, card packs yeah yeah and i'll usually try and wait until i have a couple of chests so i can open them all at once like christmas morning yeah not really everyone knows i'm jewish but <laughs> Well, now they do. (laughs) It is cool that you can do that. There's also in-game currency, which you can spend on either uh, chests for more cards or other things which are just cosmetic. Yeah, 
the um, there's limits to how much you can kind of get as far as using the in-game currency to buy chests. But they do have like mythic chests, which have special uh, special cards in them. Um, but the interesting thing is, and this is this is where things get more complicated from a economic standpoint for the game. It costs money. Like Dave mentioned, I bought it for him. Yes. Most of these games are free to play, except Magic. Well, technically, Magic is free to play. It's just going to be a spectator sport at that time. Um, but uh, this one has right now, as of this recording, a twenty-five dollar upfront cost, which I think is probably too high. It's, it's not. So, like, I would argue a lot of games aren't even worth sixty dollars. That are like AAA. Yeah. So, like, this being at twenty five seems a little bit high mm-hmm. for it just being some random studio. Now, I really enjoy it. Yeah. But I still would place it closer to, like, fifteen, hands down. Yeah. Anything less than that, I'd buy it for you type thing. And I would, I would personally, I would buy this game at twenty five, if I knew what the game was. If I already knew the game was good. Yeah. But if I was just Joe Nobody on Steam and I'm looking at uh, trading going through card- games. Yeah, and I was stuff. just like, oh, look at the card games. This one costs money and not even going to look at it. You should let people get in and then make their, their commitment to it. Um, but here's the trade off there's very few ways to uh, reliably just spend money in game to get chests. Like, there's the mythic chest that we mentioned. That's a very inefficient way to get cards. And it's not necessary because compared to all of these other games that we've uh, talked about and we'll wrap up with, the uh, payouts are like very generous. You can complete a quest and get two chests like right off the gate. Yeah. So that's another eight cards. Yeah. And the legendary drop rates are higher. And it just feels like you're always pulling in more and more resources. On top of that, uh, here's the problem uh, Hearthstone's had is. Uh, it's possible to get all of these duplicates for cards that you already have, which are already immediately worthless. They're just 25% of their value. You can't get duplicates beyond the playable amount in Feria. So as soon as you have your stack of three or your single legendary, um, you won't see that in another chest. So if you've got all the crappy cards, you know that you're only going to get good cards. (laughs) That's really nice, because I know with Overwatch, I keep getting these sprays, Mm -hmm. which get cashed in for, like, no money, and, like, cool, thanks for that. Yeah. So, less of that, and the trade-off is you have to pay money up up front, unlock DLC kind of expansions with money, um, and start the game uh, from scratch uh, with money. So, we'll see how that works as a financial... Uh, ploy, but it's more fun to play once I'm actually in the game. Yeah, and it feels way better to get those rewards. Like if I saw just it on Steam, I don't know if I would check it out. I actually, might have before Jake got it for me. Mm-hmm. But since we've been playing, I've definitely sunk some time into it, and it's it's not crazy complicated. Yeah, but it has enough going on that it keeps my interest. And it starts you slow. It starts you like really slow as far as the mechanics. Um, it's not going to throw you in the deep end in any capacity. No, you start off with like 36 training wheels. <laughs> yeah, it's actually just all wheels. <laughs> You're just like in an empty room just full of wheels. There's no furniture or anything. That's basically the game start, but uh, by the end of it, you know what you're doing. And that's always nice. I'd agree. So you say is it say it's a good game and give it a good, good out of 10? <laughs> I'd give it a good out of 10. Yeah, good out of 10. It's pretty good. Maybe even a good out of nine. Yeah. So anyways, get that. 
Play it with us. Just kidding. <laughs> you can if you want to. By the time you'll actually hear this, we've probably stopped playing the game. I, yeah, I've already. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. But that's Faria. Uh, kind of quickly going through some of these remainders. Uh, the last big one we wanted to talk about was Gwent. Um, it's a different game. Entirely different. So much so that I'm like, I refuse to play this game. Yeah. But now that I've actually seen it played and I understand the mechanics, I still don't want to play this game. <laughs> but it's interesting how they approached it. Yeah. So this game is, is existed in Witcher 3, and then it's a standalone game on its own um, with slightly different mechanics that doesn't really matter. They're relatively minor. Um, but it's unlike the rest of these uh, games that we've been describing. It's like a battlefield-based game where you play units on your side, sometimes play units on the enemy side, but the goal is uh, have a higher army point total than your opponent at the end of the round. And then in a best of three or a best of five, uh, if you win more rounds, you've won the match. You can't attack the enemy like directly. Your guys don't enter combat or anything. It's just how... Yeah, there's no combat, no blocking. Yeah. It's just you playing things to manipulate board state, and then points get evaluated. Yep. Which sounds really simple. It is, actually. Because it is really simple. <laughs> but how people do things in builder decks like i was watching some of the some pro tournament yeah they do i was like i didn't realize this even was a thing yeah but it's it's interesting to watch really mm -hmm. and it has really good animations too oh yeah again like you have that card interest and if you played witcher 3 it's a lot of characters or npcs you're like oh shit nice yeah it's nice to see that tie-in they have the same cards you can get like in the game um, plus a lot that they've added on top but yeah, they're basically like, hey, people like this fictional game that we made in a game, so we'll make that outside the game. It's worked all right for them so far, so. Worth looking into, especially if you're disillusioned with everything else that you've played, because it's nothing else. It's, yeah. it's completely different, I should say. So I'm going to ask the obvious question here that anybody would have for Gwent. Yes. Why would I not just play my highest point value cards and just win? So there's actually an advantage to losing some matches. And to answer your question more directly, uh, the game starts out, you draw your cards, and then barring other special card draw effects, that's it. Um, you don't draw cards at the beginning of your turn. You don't have mana. You don't have anything like that. It's just each turn you can play what cards you want and pass. And... Uh, in particular, one card uh, per turn, actually. Um, the trick here is if you go all in and you invest all of your resources in that first round, then uh, in subsequent rounds, you may have no cards. So if your opponent just sees, like, for some reason he's just blowing his load, basically, in this first round, uh, you could just sit back, lose that first round, and then just roll you for the next two. And that's the way best of threes work, or, you know, he'll win the match so because you just won't have cards to play anymore really exactly so mechanics for this game have built around that things like the ability to put spies on your opponent's side of the board which gives them points but allows you to draw cards from your deck usually you're like all right this is a bad thing for a good thing so it's a great thing if you're planning on losing the round you want to give that one up to win a different one the other option is to invest high-value things on your side of the board 
and then swap them out with a decoy, which brings them back into your hand and leaves this little uh, training dummy on the board. That does so you make nothing. your enemy overcommit, basically. Exactly. You're like, oh no! You're like fists up. I'm gonna fight this Let's one go. out. Hold me, hold me back. <laughs> yeah. And then it's guys. Like, my mom texts me. I'm late for dinner. <laughs> you just lock away. Um, and that's that's where the it's it's a lot of resource management where your resources are your actual cards, um, but the mechanics themselves are relatively simple. So a lot of people that don't like traditional card games uh, enjoy Gwent for that. But if you do like original hard games and card games, then... I call them hard games because they're hard. <laughs> they are pretty difficult. That's why I only do solo. Um, then uh, you may like Eternal, which is uh, free-to-play on Steam. Uh, very inspired by Magic the Gathering. Uh, has a lot of similar kind of response action uh, type, se- type setup where you can interfere with what your opponent does. Basically play blue. Um, but uh, I haven't played that one a ton. Took a quick look at it. It seems solid, and if you wanted a non-Magic the Gathering online, Magic the Gathering online, this would be your budget kind of option there. Conversely, <laughs> there's Shadowverse, which is... Uh, oh. It's like done in Flash. It's a lot of anime styling. Mm-hmm. Somebody did put a lot of thought and care into it, but as far as gameplay, it is so fucking basic. Like, if you took Hearthstone and stripped it down and mm. stripped it down and stripped it down till it was a skeleton, that's what you have here. <laughs> so you, you say it's a good game. <laughs> eh, I wouldn't say it's a great game. Yeah. It is free, so if you want to <laughs> check it out, yeah. I mean, kill some time with that, sure. It's really. I just wouldn't hard recommend, like, hey, let's play this game together. Yeah. It exists. It's, it's fine. Yeah, we actually both loaded it up and then decided not to play the game together. Yeah. But... Yeah, it's it's very generous on its free to play model, but the fan servicey art style kind of just wears on me after a time, and I want to see more interesting things than anime girl number fifty four. But if you want anime girl number fifty four, this is prime. It I mean, also has honestly, buffs, just, dudes. Yeah, if that's your your deal. Yeah, that's anime girl number fifty five. Actually, is the buff dude. <laughs> uh, next one here is uh, honorable mention of Duelist which is uh, even less known than the previous ones. I haven't played this one personally, but I've seen gameplay of it. Um, And this is another kind of board game uh, battle map style. Uh, You play your cards, they enter the field, then you have them execute each other, essentially. So some throwback to Faria, but I prefer Faria's art style. Duelist is really pixel-based. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, I haven't given it much of a fair shake, so I can't criticize it too much, but it is what it is. That's why I don't criticize babies. <laughs> uh, lastly, here, we have Artifact. <laughs> oh, my god! Did you want to process that quick? I've before? never heard that. That's just me being dark and edgy. <laughs> Last year is uh, Artifact, yeah. which is I've Valve's Dota 2 game. Yeah. It seems to also have lanes similar to Elder Scrolls, mm-hmm. and... They you either have it. to take out two towers or their nexus, but you can play heroes and lane creeps. Mm-hmm. Is that what they call it in Dota Nexus? They call it a nexus? What do they call it? Is it ancient? Ancient? Isn't it the ancient? I don't know what they call it in Artifact. It could be, but I'd be surprised if it's not the ancient. This I, was, is... I was still thinking about Blizzard things, so I yeah. said nexus. No, that's fair. The nexus of their power. The ancient. Yes. <laughs> but it seems interesting, mm-hmm. but... I'm wary because 
uh, Valve's been pretty just money hungry recently. Yeah. It's not to say that they make poor products and expect money. Yeah. But from what I've heard, you can only get packs from buying them. Yeah. But There's not a way to like, oh, you've played the game, here's some stuff. Like the other games we've mentioned, it's kind of, you have to buy the base game mm-hmm. and you have to buy packs. Yeah. Like, I hope it works out. That sounds like a system that could be interesting if their game's just super, super fun. But I like my I like my progression while playing. Yeah. It's kind of similar to Heroes of the Storm. I'll keep my distance and just monitor the patch notes. <laughs> Do you even check the patch notes for Heroes, though? I'm going to get you to play that again. That being said, I think it's probably time to call it for this episode. As always, I'd like to thank everybody for sticking around till the end of a longer episode about things that we don't even know if you're interested in. But, hey, you know, that's life. I mean, one day people will comment and give feedback. One day. And if you want to do that, then you can feel free uh, to like us at our Facebook page, comment there at facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast. Or send us your feedback to our Gmail at soapstonepodcast at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear it. And we look forward to any discussion about this episode that may spawn. Yeah, definitely. It's good stuff. Oh, I forgot about Yu-Gi-Oh! No! (laughs)